0: Hello everyone and welcome to the Fumble Podcast with myself, Vernon Kay and Darren Fletcher where we cover everything about American football that isn't really American football but it is American football but when you listen to it back for the second time you'll realise it's not actually about American football, isn't that right Darren? Kind of, I'm with you, I think just... (laughs) I'll tell you what, I'm, you? I'm very good. I'm not with it myself because it's been a hectic three weeks. Admittedly, I didn't make the Titans game. Apologies for that. But what a three-week period it's been for the NFL in London. And you were there, you were at the forefront, you were doing the tailgate, you were doing the sideline. It's been an epic three weeks.
1: Yeah, and I also could have told everybody that the game in the Premier League would be played on a pitch like that as well, which, by the way, is, is no fault of the National Football League. Let's, let's kind of get that out there straight away on the podcast. I've read and seen and listened to an awful lot of stuff where and one or two people, more than one or two, have been saying they can't play the Premier League on a pitch, slide, it's a disgrace, etc. This is not the NFL's problem. They book the the surfaces, the pitches, the, the stadiums, months in advance, sometimes a year in advance. I mean, they've announced today the day already that there's going to be four games in, in the UK next year, two at Tottenham, two at Wembley. So those dates are going to be in the diary now. Um, and the criticism that's come in the NFL's way for the state of the Wembley pitch is bang out of order. Tottenham should be playing at White Hart Lane. If they were at White Hart Lane, we wouldn't be having the discussion. It's not the NFL's fault.
3: It's Tottenham's fault.
0: I like that, Darren, and that's a good rant because I, I saw it myself. Yeah. And uh, I, I couldn't stop myself commentating as Carl Walker burst through the midfield. He's at the 40. He's at the 30. He's at the 20. He's at the 15. Slips a ball to Aguero. Oh, and it's dropped in the end zone. Aguero doesn't make the connection for a goal. But Kyle Walker covering a heck of a lot of real estate there as he moved down the football field. It was hilarious, the stick that yeah. the NFL got on social media. But like you say, it's not their fault. It's Tottenham's fault. Their stadium oh. isn't ready. And by the way, a stadium that has p- been partially funded by the NFL. And don't worry, Tottenham fans, because the new stadium will have a permanent NFL field underneath the soccer pitch.
3: It works exactly the same as the one in Arizona. We saw the Super Bowl there a few years back and they they roll the grass pitch in and out when they need it. So it it, it, it grows outside and they've got the surface um, that would go over the top. That's going to be the situation at Tottenham. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's all going to be fine. It was great, though. We saw some great games, didn't we? And some, some, We had a great time. Um, so many people there. Over 250 paying customers to watch the NFL over three weeks, which is astonishing. And I lost count over the course of the three weeks that we were covering the, the games of the, the various Americans who were over who were absolutely blown away by what they saw, the tailgate, the numbers of people. You know, they were saying, we could never sell this number of tickets and put on this kind of event for a a simple regular season game. And I think they're they're, they're now getting to the stage where it was kind of having a laugh at our expense and suggesting we didn't know when to cheer. To actually looking at the UK now and saying, they're actually doing things over there that we
0: can't do in the US. No, that's a legitimate statement and a bold statement, some people might think. But I think that statement is very, very true. It's very honest. And I think, no, people are looking at the UK for ideas, believe it or not, when it comes to The whole package as a stadium and as an event location and also the tailgate. Look at the amounts of fans that were going in and out of all the cafes, all the bars, all the restaurants that are surrounding Wembley Stadium. And also, I was a little bit sceptical at first because they've taken away a lot of open space outside the main entrance to Wembley. They're building flats, they're building apartments, office blocks, but... It still worked. It didn't dampen the atmosphere. And I know it's a sporting cliche, but the atmosphere around Wembley Stadium pre-game at the tailgate, at all the bars and all the restaurants, was second to none. Now, here's a lovely statistic. The Seahawks game that they played against the Raiders, uh, the first of the three games, that was a record crowd at Wembley for an NFL game, 84 plus. And then last week, the Jags game versus the Eagles, was another record crowd at Wembley Stadium, 85-plus in the stadium. And to compare that to the Tottenham City game, that's 30,000 less the Tottenham City game had than the NFL game on Sunday. And there are various reasons why, bloody, bloody, blah, blah blah but it just goes to show that the NFL can pull in a crowd, and it's just been announced just been announced that there's going to be four games, Darren, next year at Wembley Stadium.
3: 16 NFL regular season games, and we're getting four of them played in the UK. That's the equivalent of 9.5 Premier League matches being taken to the US. And just going back to the statement I made a few minutes ago, that you said was bold in many ways, I know we've got listeners in the US. I would challenge them to tell me that they can have the Los Angeles Chargers against the Tennessee Titans and they could sell 84,500 tickets in the space of about five days, and they could then have the kind of tailgate event and sideshow with as much interest as many people, it just wouldn't happen. They couldn't do it. It would be impossible. There wouldn't be the interest. So, you know, we kind of did that, and we were proud of it, and the NFL UK office are proud of it, and so they should be, because I think... They're starting to do things over here now that can't be replicated in the United States. We get more people for a middle-of-the-season NFL regular season game than they get in the U.S. for opening night, and that tells you a great deal.
0: Well, if you watch Red Zone, which I know you do, like many American football fans over here do, we watch Red Zone, and when you get the random shot of the stadium, there are a lot of empty seats in the NFL. There are a lot of empty seats. There are a lot of fans who are staying away from the stadiums. But we can put on three games back-to-back, by the way, and a lot of people went to all three back-to-back games that – just keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And to see that full house on Sunday for the Jags game was awesome. Philadelphia did bring a lot of fans. There were more fans cheering for the Eagles than there were the Jags. But still, Shad Khan has realised that he can actually make a profit on his London game. They are actually making a profit on their London game. You know what that means? I think we're going to get multiple Jags games next year and many years to come.
3: Yeah, I'd agree with that. And I tell you what, this was the first season where well, I got the feeling that it was kind of a must-have ticket. You know, in the past, it's been a real novelty, and, and NFL fans have been going, and, and one or two have kind of looked at it and sneered and looked down the noses and said, oh, I'm not going there. But I got the feeling this time, maybe it was because of the fact we've got the Philadelphia Eagles in town, as the Raiders were here, and the Seahawks, and we'd seen a lot of them. They were quite sexy NFL franchises that we had this year. I got the impression this year, and people told me this, that it was a must-have ticket this time around. And I think the game at the weekend that we saw, the Eagles in town. It was supposed to be a Jags home game, but it turned out to be an Eagles home game um, emphatically. But people were telling me that on the secondary market, it was the highest-selling Wembley event that they had. That it's an easier ticket to get Beyonce at Wembley. And I think everything points to the fact that we're ready for a franchise. We need a franchise. We've proved to New York that we can do a franchise. The NFL UK office has proved to New, to New York and to everybody else that They can facilitate it and get everything done. And I think we've got four games next year. It's only going to get more. I think inside five or six years, uh, we'll have a team in London.
0: Yeah, and if not, we've said it before. We said it at the start of the fumble last year. If we don't get a team, we will get eight regular season games at Wembley. 16 teams will come over to the UK. Or maybe not 16, it might be 12. you know, Because the Jags might make more than one regular appearance a season over here in London. But I'm going to fire some quick uh, some quick questions to you about Wembley. All right, Darren, of the three games that we well, had, w- which for you was the best? Chargers v Titans. Simple fact,
3: we had some really spectacular plays. Philip Rivers threw two deep touchdowns, which I thought were great. I've always had a soft spot for Philip Rivers. I think it was great to see him in the flesh again. He came and delivered. It was a-, a game that went right down to the final play. Had that gone to overtime, the Chargers would have had to stay in London overnight. So they were really pleased when Mike Vrabel went for two. Because any kind of overtime, and they wouldn't, wouldn't have been able to fly back because of the customs restrictions at LAX. So they were staying overnight and going back on Monday had it gone to overtime. So the most relieved people in the house that night were everybody associated with the charges because they could go back home. But that was the best one for me. What about you?
0: I would say the Jags game. You know, I think the Jags have made Wembley their home. I know there was talk of Shad Khan wanting to buy the stadium. And from what I can gather, it wasn't a Jags or it wasn't a Shad Khan issue that prevented that sale going through. There was a bit of a brew, a bit of palaver with the FA as to what they do with the money. Should they... Uh, received £600 for selling Wembley Stadium. So it wasn't a, a Shad Khan problem, the fact that Wembley didn't get sold. It was an FA issue. And I think the Jags have made Wembley their home. You can tell that they just fit in. It was nice to see the Eagles. It was nice to see the Super Bowl reigning champions at Wembley because in the past we've had teams come over and they've gone on to do well Uh, in the playoffs, and then some of them have gone on to make the Super Bowl. We had the reigning Super Bowl champions at Wembley. It was great to see Carson Wentz, and I was fortunate enough to watch him uh, run onto the field. And I've got to say, Darren, he is massive. He is an absolute unit. The Ginger Prince is an absolute (laughs) monster. I thought Tom Brady, with his shoulder pads, his big, thick knee braces, because when you see Tom Brady out of pads, and you know I idolise Tom Brady, I think he's the Don – When you see Motive pads, he's as skinny as me, but with the pads on, he's massive. But Carson Wentz, you can tell that that boy uses minimal padding, but yet he's an absolute unit. And it was nice to see him uh, put a couple of drives together, which were really nice. It was nice to see your fantasy team players at Wembley. I had uh, Corey Clement and I had Zach Hurt. It was nice to see Zach get me some points with his touchdown in the end zone. And I just thought that that game, had, it, had Blake Bortles been able to read a defence, I thought we would have had our, uh, another overtime game at Wembley. But unfortunately, Blake Bortles is garbage.
3: Couldn't agree more. Bortles is garbage.
0: <laughs> All right, best sight. What's the best thing you saw amongst the fans at Wembley, Darren? Really simple, mate. It was the tailgate.
3: It was like standing on the stage at a Rolling Stones concert. But certainly in the middle game where we had the sunshine, it was just shoulder-to-shoulder people for about 200 yards. And I just thought this is so, so special. Everybody had a smile on their face. A lot of them had a beer in their hand. They'd all got a shirt on. They'd all made a massive effort. They were all enjoying being there. And to see those numbers for the tailgate, let alone the game itself, was astonishing. To be part of that was a privilege and an honor. Great to see so many passionate NFL fans, but also great to see so many people trying to sport out for the very first time loads of families there and it just it was super brilliant that that for me was was something else what about you
0: well i saw and met uh, a young gentleman i've got a picture of him on my instagram feed and he was 9 years old and he was at the game with his dad which reminded me of when i went to the wembley games with my dad for the very first time and absolutely loved it and this kid Unbelievable. His name was Ethan, and he was there with his dad, Luke, and he was wearing, believe it or not, a Cleveland Browns jersey. And for me, shouldn't be allowed. allowed. Well, I do believe that the NSPCC were called, but, (laughs) but. Ethan was a massive Cleveland Browns fan, which I loved for obvious reasons because the Browns, who supports the Browns at that age? You usually go for the team that's won everything. You usually get young Patriots fans or Eagles fans because they won the last one. And I just thought, you know what? That's what Wembley games are all about. It's about bringing young fans, making them aware of what the game is, what the NFL game is. And now all the UK NFL office have got to do is really, really push what the game is, how you play the game, what is a first down, because now the spectacle has calmed down, it's more than 10 years that they've been coming to London, let's forget the spectacle, yes, it's a great occasion, but what is the game of American football? Because I still get a sense that people outside of the 85, 86,000 that go and watch the games on a regular basis, you still get more people saying, I don't understand it. And I think that's the next thing that the NFL has to do is we have yeah. to just slowly uh, teach people what the game is all about.
3: You're a big fan of Rugby Union. You, you do a lot of work with, with the England team throughout the through year. You we know a lot of the players. I'm a passing Rugby Union fan. And that is that if England are playing and it's a big game, I'll sit and watch it. If it's a club match between Exeter and Leicester... I won't bother, but I'll watch the big one. But when I'm watching it, I've got no idea what they're doing, why they're doing it, why they're giving a penalty. I don't really know how many points you get. But as a passerby, I can enjoy it. I don't need to know. If I want to know, I'll go and find out. But I don't. I just kind of enjoy what it is. Yeah. So I think to, to think we've got to teach people what the game is, I don't think it adds a great deal. I think you'll go and find out if you do. The point I would make with it is, I think we've got to start treating it now as just part of the national sporting calendar. Let's stop trying to do gimmicky things around it. Oh, thank you, know, you let's Darren. Let's not have all the programming. Thank
2: you, Darren.
3: Let's not have all the programming associated with the NFL being some kind of gimmick. Let's just kind of say this is what it is and this is who this guy is. This is this is Philip Rivers. And let's tell you a bit about Philip Rivers. Well, I'll tell you... We're a- not going to send comedians out there catching passes and all that. We don't need it. Let, let's just... Let's just cover it the way we cover the Premier League because it's here, it's here to stay, it's got a massive fan base and there are so many interesting things about the NFL that doesn't need to be a gimmick. And the worry for me is that they'll eventually run out of ideas and then what are they going to do? Just, just cover it properly, cover it normally, cover it naturally and do it well. well you and know all of you- a sudden people
0: will go, isn't this interesting? You know what, Darren? I think what you've just said is what I was trying to say to be honest with you, is because, you know, all the gimmicks that we have, you've got Ramesh Ranganathan and Rob Beckett catching footballs at halftime. That is some social media content that's going to get people's attention, that's going to bring awareness to the game. That's what I mean. Now I'm saying, let's just tell people what American football is. You're right. If they like it, they'll find it and they'll learn about it. But I think that that's the next step. The next step is everyone will probably find out and realise the, the game will be better to watch if you knew what a first dome was. As simple as that. Get rid of all the gimmicks. Yeah. Just let's you know concentrate what, on the game.
3: You know what, though, Vern? There's so many great... If, if you've got NFL Game Pass, and a lot of people who listen to the Fumble have, there's so much great content on there. And you watch it and you think, wow, what a great hour of sports television that was. Now, if you want to get people hooked on the NFL, I think that's the way you do it. Max Boyce meets the Dallas Cowboys. That happened in about 1979. And we're still doing the same kind of stuff around the NFL. Let's just go and cover it. You wouldn't go and do Barcelona against Real Madrid and have two comedians taking penalties at each other on the new Camp. You got to tell everybody about Messi and what a great player he is and the history of Real Madrid. It was, it, it's, a, it's an event of a game that would tell its own story and you would just add to the spectacle. And I think we've got to start looking at it now and getting a bit real and going, look, you know this is here, this is what it is. Let's kind of show everybody how good it is. Showcase it. Give everybody the backstory. Tell them about the drama. All that kind of stuff would be great. And I really wish that people would now get hold of it and start covering it in that way. Because I just think it will help it grow. The gimmick stuff has to stop.
0: So what you're saying is brand new series, be it BBC or Sky, Fletch and Vern meet... Super Bowl winner, Tom Brady.
3: (laughs) Crash, Great! People would love to find out about Tom Brady. If you tell the British sporting public about Tom Brady, you're talking about an all-time great. And that's the kind of stuff that's going to take the NFL to the next level.
0: I think, to be honest with you, Darren, if that got made, it would just be an hour of me... And uh, Tom just embracing, or me embracing Tom. I don't think he'd embrace me. I think he'd be pushing me off. You know know
3: what bothers me? You know what bothers me, though, Vern? When I put put Sky on and I I watch their coverage, it's great. And Neil's doing so much great work on there with the team. And I look at some of the stuff that was put on social media this weekend, some of the the work that Simon's team did on the day, and it was just flat-out great coverage of a sporting event. And I look at the kind of stuff, as I say, that Neil does it's just good television. They present the programme well. But it's just being seen by such a small audience because it's not hitting the masses. And that, that's what bothers me. You know, we should we should be doing more of
0: that. Yeah, I agree. And, and and you know, speaking of Neil Reynolds and the Sky team, since Neil took over, he has really, really dropped a couple of gears. And that, that show now is flying. They've got it seamless, it's slick. There isn't really? anything that uh, Neil doesn't know. Uh, I think it, it, it's com- it completely changed opinions to what they were four or five years ago. I think Neil's done a great job. Right, let's move on. Let's leave London behind, shall we, Darren, uh, for another year. Uh, let's go straight into pick six. Into the end zone for the pick six. First one for you. Why, oh why, oh
3: why have the Browns decided to sack Hugh Jackson and offensive coordinator
0: Todd Haley now? Isn't it a ridiculous decision? At least give the guy the full season because what do you want to do? What are you hoping to achieve by firing the coach halfway through the season? I don't understand it. All right, some some say that he should have gone a long time ago. But just give him till the end of the season. You're not going to change anything. You really aren't. Make, just turn the season into a learning season for Baker Mayfield because there are some elements of his game that, can, that he can improve on. There are some elements of his game that he's pretty good at. The person that they should fire is John Dorsey, the general manager, because they've had some hideous draft picks. They've had draft picks that didn't work. And at the end of the day, it's the general manager who's in charge of, of scouting, recruiting and drafting. So if you're going to get rid of Hugh, get rid of the general manager as well. What I can't work
3: out is why they didn't realise during preseason what a shambles this was. Anybody who watched episode one of Hard Knocks knew that this season was going to turn out this way. Yeah, they've got talent on the roster, but it's so dysfunctional in the places of power. You know, they were falling out in meetings. Hugh Jackson was saying this. Hayley wanted to do that. They may as well have thrown them out week one of the preseason because you're not going to change anything now. You're going to write off another season. I think they made the wrong decision in drafting Baker Mayfield. I think that was a big one they got wrong. They've got to get the head coaching situation right. Whether they do that, I don't know. I, think it's, I, I just think it's, it's more dysfunctionality from the Browns.
0: Yeah, I agree. And remember at the beginning of the season, I do believe that I I said that Baker Mayfield wasn't the right quarterback for the NFL. There's a lot of uh, young quarterbacks who run around a lot. They kind of go and look for the pass instead of having it all planned out with their checkdowns and this, that and the other. I just think Baker Mayfield, yeah, he's got some skills which are useful in the NFL, but is he uh, going to be a long-term success? I am not sure. I'm really not sure, but... They have, to, they have to decide what they're going to do internally before they can uh, breed out, I guess, because it's just like you say, an absolute shambles. Right, Darren, are you ready? Give us some numbers for this week, please. Okay, mate, so here we go. The first, no absolute belters this
1: week, although I quite like the last one. So no overtime games this week. The first NFL season with an overtime game in the first seven weeks of the season, uh, but there's been no overtime this week. So one of the numbers is no overtime. Love this one. Adam Thielen tied Calvin Johnson with his eighth successive 100-yard receiving game. We see so many uh, teams throwing high draft picks at wide receivers. This guy came in from nowhere. He's as good as anybody in the league at the moment. He's in the conversation with Antonio Brown and Julio Jones to be the best in the business. Eight 100-yard receiving games on the run for the Minnesota Vikings' Adam Thielen. The flip side of it, not good news if you're a Denver Broncos fan. Case Keenum has has at least one interception in every game that he's played this season. And going back to last season, he's now been picked off in 10 straight games. There might be a bit of fancy advice in there. If you've got your defense up against Denver, if you can find that one to stream week after week, you at least know that Keenum is going to throw you an interception at some stage. And Vern, you've got a soft spot for the Bears. I've got a soft spot for the Bears. This one's my favorite. Mitch Trubisky has 15 touchdown passes this season after seven games, and that ties the career high in a season, a whole season, for the former Bears quarterback, Jim McMahon. 15 after seven games for Trubisky. McMahon never threw more than 15 in a 16-game season in his whole career, and that's the one I like best this week.
0: Wow, and I think that, stat in itself would justify the fact that the Bears traded up for Mitchell Trubisky. Remember that? I do.
2: Botox Cosmetic, out toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For
0: full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. Or call 877-351-0300.
2: Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.
1: Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down.
3: Here's one to you then, my friend. So last Thursday, apologies that I couldn't make it. I will regret it to my dying day. And I'm hoping that the invitation is afforded to me next year. It's a definite yes. Vote, River Thames, you were there. Tell me about it.
0: Well, I, I've got a, a little bit of a bone to pick with you, Darren Fletcher. Not a big one. It's not like, a, let's say, the, the, the chicken leg. But I've got a little bit of a bone, no. maybe the wishbone to pick with you. Because I saw... Uh, our, yeah. our our fellow NFL fan, I saw Jason Bell in the VIP suite after the game on Sunday, and you told him that I didn't invite you to Shad Khan's boat. Let me tell you something now. I've
3: not seen Jason Bell since the NFL event at Trafalgar Square. <laughs> so I, I never spoke to Jason Bell. Well, so Jason it's... Bell, my friend... It's
0: like someone. It. Someone said to me, "Oh, why did you not invite Darren to the boat?" I'm like, hang on a I minute, mean, I did invite, Darren to the boat. I'm sure it was Jason. Uh, but to be honest with you, the as no, you I, as you know, Darren, no, I like I, a <laughs> as you know, Darren at a big event, I like a Budweiser. <laughs> so yeah. it might it I, might not I, I have not been him.
3: It. Nobody asked me about the boat. I was double booked. It was a big charity event that I go to every year. Couldn't get out of it. Uh, I, I didn't want to, really, because it raised a, a great deal of money for the Rainbow Children's Charity, so had to give the boat a miss this year, but I certainly didn't say that. But for
0: <laughs> the record, you invite me, and I was very so grateful for the invitation. Well,
3: uh,
0: yeah. Well, I, I'll tell you what, Darren. I mean, we, we've experienced it together, and it is something special. It's a height of luxury. He's got this huge super yacht It's got numerous bedrooms, numerous cabins, it's got a massive living space, it's got a sauna, it's got a jacuzzi, it's got a swimming pool at the top, it's got a massive open canopy where I would imagine when you're docked in Saint-Tropez with the sun beating down, you get the sun lounges out, you've got the sun deck that's got a canopy on it where you can have an outdoor barbecue, it's got an outdoor bar, cooking facilities. Um, It's got everything that you could possibly want in your mansion, but yet... It's on the water. And the food is impeccable. The entertainment was impeccable. They had Paloma Faith singing on board. A lot of mobile phones up taking video. Always nice to get the opportunity. Or I'll be honest with you, it's always nice to be recognised by Mr Shad Khan. We had a, a conversation for, I'd say, about five minutes. And as you know, when you're in the company of a dignitary like that, five minutes is a heck of a lot of time. So he was very gracious. He said he was very blessed to be able to put on the event again. Uh, very blessed to be in the Premier League and owning an NFL team as well we talked about the future he was very coy but he said he would like to do more with the Jags in London so take from that what you will but I think to open up his floating home and just let people roam freely as they wish and go wherever you want go, you can go into his the master bedroom the master suite you can go in the gym the engine room the captain's a cockpit, whatever it's called, on a super yacht. Uh, it's just an amazing event. And the one thing that always fascinates me is, remember as a kid, Darren, when you had a house party? Yeah. Right, and, and you couldn't get anyone to leave. No one would <laughs> leave. You'd be like, curfew was at 10.30, 11. Last person left at 1.30. Well, curfew is 10. Everyone's off by 10 past. It is phenomenal. It's like, literally... Everybody get out! Leave! And everyone gets off. Everyone goes and collects their shoes because you're not allowed on board with your shoes. So everyone's uh, in socks. It was nice to see Tony Buscelli and Fred Taylor, who were always omnipresent when the Jags are over. Good conversation with uh, the big man, Tony Buscelli. Uh, his beautiful wife as well. It was all in all a great event and you were sadly missed because uh, once I'd had two or three Budweiser's, I was neither used nor ornament, Darren, and I was hoping that you would have been there to prop me up and get some gossip and find out about the Jags' future at Wembley. But unfortunately, you weren't. I just uh, kind of scarpered off with a couple of bottles of free vodka. <laughs> Did you have to wear the slippers again? No, the slippers weren't available this year. So. All right. Yeah, So, and, and to be honest with you, there were uh, several gentlemen who were walking around who did wish that the slippers were available because they were wearing those socks that have been blessed by the pope you know the holiest of the holies oh so you're just in your socks you're in your socks yeah and i kind of from <laughs> from past experience i realized that your socks are, are quite prominent everyone looks down at people's feet so i wore a fancy pair of uh, savile rose socks but some guys obviously didn't realize that you couldn't wear your shoes and there were a few frayed heels i saw that i saw the, the odd big toe Poking out, you know what I mean, uh, love it, love yeah, it. and it, and it's funny when all the ladies have to take their their shoes off and they're like, I feel so small, usually I have a heel on, uh, but all the ladies were in there in their bare feet, and it was quite funny, it was really good it's a phenomenal event, it really is, and it's and, I, and we, we've got to thank them for inviting us,
1: yeah, and the other question, did you get a free gift it was it was a Joe Malone candle last year. did you get anything this year?
0: Oh well, Darren, let me <clears> tell you this. You got a Jacksonville Jaguars bejeweled exclusive bottle of Siroc vodka. I'll post it up on oh, our okay. Fumble uh, Twitter page. Uh, it was awesome. Absolutely awesome. But the problem was we went to a bar afterwards. Several of us uh, kind of carried on the party. Went to a bar afterwards. And a few of those bottles of exclusive Jacksonville Jaguars Ciroc vodka got left at a certain members club. However... One of my friends, former London warrior, I said, listen, will you do me a favour? Will you go down to a certain club and get my vodka? He's like, yeah, no problem. So not only did he get mine, but he got several other bottles of vodka that were <laughs> left behind that night as well. So I, I, will, I will send one up to Nottingham Way, Darren, and you can, uh, you can have your own. Love it. Love it. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah, OK. All right, Darren, here we go. One for you. This weekend, for just the second time ever... And possibly the last time, it's Brady versus Rodgers. On a scale of 1 to 10, how excited are you? Well, it's a 10. It's at least a 10.
1: Uh, I mean, you're talking all-time greats. I mean, we used to get so excited when it was Brady versus Manning and we got towards the end of that rivalry and you start to see it. The difference between that one and this one is they used to play each other a lot. They'd meet in the playoffs most years. The special thing about this is that they just don't meet each other. I think we all expected that the Packers to be in more Super Bowls with Rogers than they've been, but he's never really had the roster around him and there's always been things that have conspired against them or he's got injured to prevent that kind of run. So I think we've really got to enjoy this because you just don't get to see it. They've got to be the two best number 12s of all time. They're both heading to the Hall of Fame. Brady's the best quarterback of all time in most people's opinion. Rogers, in a lot of people's opinion, is the most talented quarterback of all time. It's going to be great. I just hope that they both turn up and and turn it on. I've not really got a doubt that Brady will, because he's been doing it all season. The Green Bay Packers at the minute look like a team in a little bit of transition. So whether they've got it in them to go toe-to-toe with the Patriots, we'll wait and see, even though they played better this week against the Rams. But, yeah, I love it. I think any time you get two sportsmen of this magnitude head-to-head, you just sit back and go, wow, it's Federer-Nadal. It's Messi-Ronaldo. It's that kind of thing, isn't it? It's it's just going to be great. I can't wait.
0: Well, we've had Brady versus Rodgers once before in 2014. The Packers won 21, I think it was 25 or 26. I'm not sure. But I think you're right. I, I've got to say, really impressed, really impressed by the Packers' performance against the Rams. I think it's the first time this season that we've seen the Rams really up against it. And I thought that, well, I was paying close attention to this because Aaron Rodgers is my fantasy quarterback and I thought that it was a typical Aaron Rodgers-Green Bay Packers game. They put a lot of pressure on the quarterback, something we haven't seen uh, as prolific as this game this season, and I thought Aaron Aaron Rodgers was really on it, and I thought... Uh, that performance is it's one of those games where, I mean, you're a football commentator and the pundits around you, they always say, well, you know, this is a game where they could really kick on. If they get a result here, the team could kick on. That's a moment in that game where they can kick on. And I think this is a game, uh, the Packers-Rams game, I think that's the game where the Packers now can really kick on. And I think they'll probably beat the Patriots uh, and Brady wholeheartedly.
1: We will wait and see. Right, here's one for you. What was the higher number? Autographs collected by me during three games at Wembley (laughs) or pints sunk by you in two games, bearing in mind you missed the Chargers Titans for your daughter's birthday?
0: Yeah, well, the first game I was with one of the London Warriors, so there were several pints of America's finest. Uh, Bud uh, Bud Light uh, (laughs) drank on that Sunday. Uh, This weekend it was... uh, it was a little bit more subdued because I was with my daughter and I thought, you know what, I don't want her to see a football fan, not soccer fan, but football fan dad, where I'm literally, I will shout at any hard hit. And there were several hard hits on the field, Eagles versus Jags, some absolute beauties. So I had a few. Do you know what's funny, Darren, is when your daughter starts scrambling around four autographs, like you and I, we love, we love a football autograph, but she was like, Daddy, there's such a so and such so from Love Island. I'm like, who? ha. <laughs> She was more interested in the Love Island contestants than she was the actual game. But still, because they're there and because that's what the NFL does, it means that my daughter will go to Wembley, she'll watch the game with me and she'll come away enjoying it because she met the two kids from Love Island. But I do know, and from experience, I do know that you do like an autograph. Uh, When we were down at the Grove where the Seahawks were trading, you got Russell Wilson to sign a hat. Was Was it a hat? Yeah, I, I'm getting more selective now. I'm
1: kind of in that if you're not a superstar, don't don't oh, don't, don't oh, bother. What? Yeah, I'm at that level now. You know where you where you've got quite a few signed things. All right.
0: Well, let let me. Let,
1: so you got the Russell Wilson, which was yeah. pretty cool. That's... I only got two. I only got two the entire trip. Did you uh, really? Yeah, I got two over the three games. I got Russell Wilson to sign a Seattle Seahawks cap on the on the uh, on the peak, which is great. And then the day the Chargers played the Titans, I bought a a Chargers mini helmet and I got the great LaDainian Tomlinson to sign that. So I didn't actually look at the alumni this week and think there was anybody that I wanted their autograph. So I just got the two and I'm really pleased. And they've got, they'll get pride of place now in, in the room and... And
0: that's that. So well, so, so I think... Uh, so you win
1: in terms of numbers.
0: Well, I think numbers-wise, I think that number was beaten within 10 minutes of my arrival in uh, yes, Wembley prob- Stadium. Prob- <laughs> probably on the way, actually. Probably on the way. But I, I, I met... Uh, remember when we were talking about Jacob Green when the Seahawks were over? Yeah. Well, for that game, I met some friends of my cousin whose house I was staying at in Seattle in 19... 19- 92, I think it was, one or two. And uh, they were saying exactly what you said at the beginning, that there's no way that uh, the Americans could put on an event like that. They were so surprised. They were so shocked uh, at how Wembley does when it comes to an NFL game. So I think if Alistair Kirkwood and the team, uh, Mark Waller over there in New York representing NFL International, can keep the momentum going, we are in for a very, very bright future.
1: Right, well, Dan- brilliant. I've got to say, let me just say, I- I've had the privilege over the last three weeks, to work with the NFL UK team. And obviously, Dave Tossel and, and Alistair, they oversee it all, you know I mean? Their boots on the ground, they're at the events, they're there, but they're overseeing it all. They're the brains behind the operation, they're the inspiration for the people in the office. But the chance to work with that team over the course of the last three weeks has been superb. They're all superb at the job. They all do it with a big smile on their face. They're all desperate to do the right thing for the event and they're all desperate to grow the NFL in the UK. And I know a lot of them listen to the podcast. I'd just like to say a big thank you to them for making me so welcome over the course of the three weeks. It was an absolute privilege and an honour, and I'm looking forward to next year already because they're great to work with.
0: Nice. Yeah. Ditto. Ditto. Yeah. I agree. Uh, Right, so, uh, Darren... Dallas Cowboys, we talked about the fact that you think that Dak Prescott is now the Houston ornament, his accuracy is terrible, and it was only Des Bryant that made him look like a decent quarterback when he was stood in the pocket. But are they going to win their division? Redskins, top of the table at the moment. Well, I think you're asking me this, bearing in mind they've made the
1: trade for Amari Cooper, which gives them something that Dak Prescott hasn't had all year, which is a genuine number one wide receiver. I don't think they're going to win the division. I think the Redskins do that because I think the Redskins are a team that are fundamentally sound. They don't make mistakes. They're a lot more talented than people give them credit for. And they've got a run of games now where they should take control of the the division they're in. Now, the Cowboys might just nick a wild card. And if they do, they're in a position where they can potentially make an impact. And I'll tell you why. And if they don't do it this year, they're certainly in a position to, to, to try and win that division next year. They've got most of the component parts to contend. They've got a good line. In fact, they've got a new offensive line coach this week in the ex-Chicago Bear, Mark Colombo. So he's going to try and get that line back on track. But they've got a great left tackle in Tyron Smith. They've got a great guard in Zach Martin. And when they get him back from the IR, they've got Travis Frederick. So that unit is fine. No problem with that. They run the ball tremendously well through Zeke Elliott, one of the elite running backs in the NFL. They've now got Amari Cooper that gives them presence, speed, ability on the perimeter, and that makes Michael Gallup and Cole Beasley that much better, and it makes Dak Prescott that much better. They've got pass rushers. They've got four they can rotate, four defensive ends who can get after the quarterback. They've got ridiculously, ridiculously athletic linebackers, Sean Lee, Jalen Smith, Leighton Van Der Esch. The front seven for Dallas is, is on a par with anything in the NFL. Now, they might need a tight end, and I think they can address that in the draft. And They've got one that they they took this year that they quite like. But I look at the Amari Cooper trade, and if Amari Cooper is the the Amari Cooper that burst onto the scene at Oakland, they've got a real chance, Dallas, to, to be a really progressive team moving forward. Might not happen for them this season, but it can certainly happen for them next season because they can retool a little bit more. But they've got players in positions that a lot of teams around them haven't got. And I think we could be seeing a Dallas Cowboys team by making the Cooper trade that can start to make serious inroads, Vern, into being genuine contenders again.
0: Well, let me ask you this, Darren, uh, because you're the man who knows everything. Do you think Jason Garrett is the right man at the top? And also, do you think it's time for Jerry Jones to take a less active role?
1: Well, I, I, I think you've answered your own question. I think Jason Garrett is the right man at the top because Jerry Jones isn't planning on taking a lesser role. And I think Jason Garrett is the perfect foil for Jerry Jones. You know, if you put a head coach in there that that wants to run the show, if Bill Belichick was at the Dallas Cowboys, it wouldn't work because Jerry Jones wants to be the GM. He wants to have an influence on what happens on the sideline. And Jason Garrett is the man that allows him to do that. So, I think if they get rid of Garrett, they've got to find someone that would be subservient in that way. I'm not sure there are too many out there. And I also feel that by making the trade for Cooper, they'll have a relatively strong finish to the season. So by doing that, he's probably going to get the opportunity to go into next season and be the head coach again. So I can't see the change being made.
0: Do you think think that trade for Cooper has saved Garrett his job? Yes, I
1: think he probably has because... I think if they go four and twelve or five and eleven and you're the Dallas Cowboys and you're Jason Garrett, then serious questions start to get asked. But I think if you go and finish eight and eight, seven and nine, nine and seven, and you finish the season strongly with Amari Cooper, I think that's going to be good enough for Jerry Jones to say, well, let's bring him back again. And also looking at the way the Dallas Cowboys have been run, he's not renowned as a sacker. He tends to back people if he possibly can. A lot of people have been in Dallas for a long, long time. That's the way that Jerry Jones likes to work. And I go back to what I said right at the start of the answer, Vern. He needs the right kind of coach because there's no way that Jerry is ready to take a back seat. And whoever the head coach of the Dallas Cowboys is has to be aware of that, has to accept it. Jason Garrett does accept it. And that makes
0: it really valuable to
1: Jerry Jones.
0: Well, there you go. That was our pick six. Right. Two-minute warning, uh, Darren. Are you ready? Yes. We saw them at Wembley. The Los Angeles Chargers. Is your tip for Chargers (laughs) Super Bowl champions still valid? Darren, your time starts now. My pick is not
1: only valid, it is getting stronger by the week. Most of the NFL power rankings, they're up to about number five. Rivers is having a career year. Melvin Gordon is delivering. Tyrell Williams and Mike Williams are flourishing outside. They've got a decent line. The defense is about to get better because they're about to get Joey Bosa back again. They're on a four-game winning streak after starting one and two. The next game they've got is Seattle off the bye. They win it. Then they've got the Raiders. They win it. They've got the Broncos, they win it. They've got the Cardinals, they win it. They're 9-2 before they face the Steelers in Week 13. <laughs> After that game, they finish with the Cincinnati Bengals oh. at home. They win it. They go to Kansas City, difficult game. Home against the Ravens, they win it. And they go to Denver. I think they finished 12-4. They're in the playoffs. Rivers is flying. Watch my LA Chargers. <laughs> they are going oh. to
0: the deep one, baby. I <laughs> oh, love it. I absolutely love it. <laughs> uh, but the thing is, though, on the way, they've got to face the Chiefs, who were my pick. And as they're gonna we know, fizzle, they're going to fizzle. No fizzle, way. Fizzle, fizzle. They've got, well, Tyreek Hill, is he injured? I think he's got yes. Yeah, I think yeah. he has. He's in your fantasy team, right? It's, it's, yeah, it's a problem. It's a problem. Yeah, he's gone down. But, yeah. I mean, that team, I think, man for man, pound for pound, have got to be the quickest team in the NFL, right? From backfield to wide out to quarterback release in the football. They are just fast. And My they, team's
1: got to do one thing, Vern. They've got to beat Tom Brady in the, in the playoffs. That's what they've got to do. They know that now.
0: They're going to get there. That's what they've got to do. Yeah. They're going to beat that fella, probably on his own yeah, but field. Darren, Darren, Darren. Let's be honest, right? Let's be honest. If you own an NFL franchise, it doesn't matter who you are, where you're from, what division you're in. Okay, don't matter what college you went to. Don't matter. What type of sport you play? Anyone, everyone should be thinking, how do I beat Tom Brady? Even yeah. Jose Mourinho at the beginning of the season thought, how oh, do I beat Tom Brady? <laughs> everyone <laughs> thinks that. And you know what? And you know what? My
1: <laughs> guy, my guy, number 17, Rivers, he can't wait to try. He's bang up for that. If anybody's going to walk into there with a bit of swagger and not be concerned about it, it's Rivers. I think they've got a great chance. I said Rams against charges in the Super Bowl. All L.A., and if you said to me now you can pick again, I would say jog on, my friend. I am sticking with what I said before a pass was thrown.
0: Very nice. Very nice and very confident. Darren, as always, it's been an absolute pleasure. It's been a great three weeks in London town. It's been a, an absolute joy to watch you work, my friend. So thank let, you very much me, for that.
1: Yes, it's been great to be with you, mate. Let me just apologise if I sound a little bit... I'm at a new house today, so we've not quite got the internet sorted out. So thanks to everybody for bearing with me. If I don't sound as... As, as sharp in terms of the audio as normal. But next week, I think we're going to be together again, aren't we? I'm down for the Champions League, so we're going to try and hook up and do it together. It's always better when we do that, so we can look forward to doing that together next week.
0: Yeah, I look forward to it. Thank you very much for tuning in. You know the usual things. Subscribe, comment, download, all that palaver. Uh, it's been a Shooting Shark production, as always. We bid you farewell. Uh, have a great week. Have a great weekend, and we'll see you on the
2: other side.